Thank you for this evening. We thank you for the opportunity to open the Word and to see what you'd have us to see. And we ask for your leading and guidance as we, as we look at this section in Numbers. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to continue in Numbers 11, starting at verse 31. And just to kind of catch us back up from last, last week, the people were complaining that manna was, they weren't happy with manna. They, they were tired of manna. They wanted... They wanted to, you know, go back to Egypt. They wanted to kill Moses. All these things because they wanted meat and vegetables and something other than manna. than manna. And then we had that little bit of the story in there where we had the Moses complaining to God that he was tired. God told him to find seventy men, and he anointed those men with the with the spirit so that they could minister to help Moses. Manna was something like coriander seed that they would, that God would provide every night, every morning for them, and they would grind it in powder and, and bake it and boil it and whatever else they did to cook it. So, and manna, manna literally means what is it? Because they didn't know what it was either. All they knew it was God said it was edible. All right, verse thirty-one, and there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quail from the sea. And let them fall by the camp, as it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, and as it were two cubics high upon the face of the earth. And the people stood up all day and all that night and all the next day, and they gathered the quail. And he that gathered the least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all about for themselves around about the camp. And when the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a great, very great plague. And he called the name of the place Kibroth-Hattavah, because they were buried, because there they buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from Kibroth-Hattavah unto Hazraoth and abode in Hazraoth. All right. We're going to look at this story about the quail coming down. And again, we're setting this context. The people have the perfect food. God has given them a perfect food that keeps them alive. Their feet aren't swelling in the desert. They're, they're, not, they're not getting fat. They're not, getting, they're not losing weight. God has given them the perfect food. And they turn around and tell God, we're tired of this. We can't stand this stuff anymore. Give us meat. Okay, uh, and this is a great story of be careful what you wish for because you're going to see that they get what they want and God is going to get after them because of this. So we're, we're going to look at this and it says, and there came up a wind from the Lord and it brought quail from the, from the sea and it let them fall by the camp as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side around about the camp. And they, and they were two cubics or 36 inches high off the earth. Okay? So we want to picture this. Remember, there's about three and a half million people camped. So that's going to be a large camp to begin with. Okay? And the quail that come around are going to be within a day's journey. Now, a day's journey for a caravan was about 10 miles. For a person, 20 to 30 miles, you know, depending on how well you walk, you know, you, most... Even, even, even you know, slow people can walk 20 miles pretty easily if they're in, in any kind of shape, and 30 miles if they're in shape. Oh, slow. <laughs> so 
God sends a flock of quail that covers the camp and outward 10 to 30 miles in all directions. Now you want to talk about a large flock of quail. That would be pretty good size flock to, to cover the entire camp. That would be like covering, oh, what has about three million people? Uh, the Phoenix area, you know, Phoenix probably has more than that. The good, good, you know, uh, Flagstaff and Prescott or something like that, you know, covering the entire city and then out <laughs> beyond the boundaries of the city. So, so this is a huge amount of birds, God said. Okay, you wanted, you wanted meat, I'm going to give you meat. And this has to be supernatural. There's, you know, this is the, the, God created these you know, birds to come in and, and come in and come in. And they covered the entire camp. And they're flying along at three and a half, at, at 36 inches, two, at, at three feet high. <laughs> they're flying in and it says that the people stood all day all night and all the next day gathering quail what's a homer we're going to get to that we're going to get to that because you're going to find out they, they got a lot of a lot of food they got a home run yeah home run no it's a, it's a measurement <laughs> so for just a moment, we're going to turn to Psalm 80, uh, 78 because this psalm talks about this event. Psalm 78, starting at verse 26. And Psalm 78 is a long lesson of history for them. But it, He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven, and by his power he brought the south wind he rained flesh upon them as dust and feathered fowl as unto the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp, round about their habitation. So they did eat, and they were well fed. And he gave them their own desires, and they were not estranged from their lust. But while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the chosen men of Israel. For all this they sin still and believe not the wondrous works. So here's the psalm. This is a psalm of Asaph, and he's going through the history, and he's telling them about this event that we're talking about here in Numbers. And he said, God rained flesh on them. Okay? Uh, we've, heard, we've heard people say it's raining cats and dogs. Well, this was literally raining quail, basically. Uh, and it said that it, there were so many of them, it was like the dust or the sand. Now, I've seen some good size, you know, especially around here, you know, groups of quail. But I've seen nothing like this description. God said, you want, you want to have some flesh? I'm going to give you more than you could even imagine. And he sends by the sound of it, millions of quail, or even billions of quail, to the people. I can't even imagine a billion. <laughs> well, this is, there's three and a half million of them, and they're going to, they're going to gather a 10 homers, it was the least number, that's about 500 gallons of bird. 
And if you think about these size trash bags here, 40, pound, 40 gallon trash bags, that's about 12 and a half bags of quail. <laughs> okay, just a little bit of quail. <laughs> so, they, so they were having a lusting gluttony? Well, they're going to commit gluttony. That's not what he gave them the Yeah, they wanted, they wanted something other than what God gave them. And then they were gluttonous in the, and this is what, and this is what I returned to here. He says, okay, and they did eat, and they were well fed, and this means exceedingly satiated. And satiated means that you're full to that point of satisfaction, okay? <laughs> you know, so when you're satiated, that's when I, I've, Consumed enough that I am not hungry, I, I'm not feeling any hungry, I'm not, I'm not stuffed, I am right there where I need to be, okay? And it says that they were exceedingly satiated. They didn't stop when they were, when they were you know, filled nicely. They kept eating. And this is where the sin comes in. Number one was the sin of lusting, not, not wanting what God has given them. Okay, God's given them the perfect food. Okay, whatever manna is, whatever manna was, it was perfect to keep the people completely healthy and alive. Okay, there was no, it said in another psalm that there was no sickness amongst the people. Okay, they're being kept alive in the middle of a desert. God's given them water and manna. Now, I can understand getting tired of the manna because I've been, in, I've been in restaurants where I got tired of the food. You know, something I really like, but you still, after a year or two, are going to get or can get tired of the food. And as the joke goes, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure some enterprising person probably wrote the, the recipe book, 101 Ways to Serve Manna. You know, and here's, here's that manna recipes, you know. Uh, and so, and it says that they were exceedingly filled, or beyond satiation. They, they stuffed themselves with birds. With this quail, and and it says that he gave them to their own desires, their lusts, and this is what ends up happening to us sometimes when we see what God has given us, and we and we decide that the blessing that God has given us is not good enough, and this gets pretty amazing sometimes when we walk around and we're really excited about the blessing God has given us. It meets all of our needs. Where you know, is the case of the Israelites, they've been taken out of Egypt. God. God destroyed Egypt's economy. He destroyed their army in the Red Sea. He's provided water. He's been feeding them for over a year. And then they start grumbling about it and saying, we're just not happy with what you've given us, God. It's not enough. And we have the same tendency when God gives us blessings to sometimes start taking it for granted. And one of the things I've said over and over again, we always have to be careful that we do not get to the place where we take God's blessings for granted and we somehow think that his blessings are normal. The people of Israel here were, had manna every morning and they were getting to the place where they took it for granted. It was just considered to be normal. It's not a, not a miracle that we're finding these seeds all over the ground every single morning when we wake up and, and there's manna on the ground when the frost disappears and the dew disappears and they, get, and they got familiar with it and they said... You know, God, we want we want more. And manna means what is it? They found it on the ground. God gave it to them. It's, it doesn't exist. 
It does not exist. It was something that God did for them for the 40 years they wandered in the wilderness. So it's just something God gave them, and it's described as coriander seed, little tiny, tiny seed that they would make into food. No, you'll never, you'll never see it. It doesn't exist. God, it was a miracle that God gave the Israelites in the wilderness. So it does not exist, and in, in, in now it doesn't grow anywhere. It doesn't. God said when the when the dew settled that it would turn into manna. It turned into manna miraculously. They would harvest it and, and eat it. So or pick it up, not a, not harvest. So, but they got to a place where they said, God, we're just not happy with what you're providing us. And we can do the same thing sometimes. We're so happy when God gives us blessing. We have a roof over our head. We have. We have utilities on, we have food on the table, and then we decide we don't have enough. It's not nice enough house. It's not a nice enough car. There's not enough food coming in. Never enough money. Uh, and we say, God, I need more. And, and we started out being really happy. He's met all of our needs. We're, we're excited. But when we get, if, if we get to the point where we look and say the blessings are no longer the blessing, they're, they're, we expect that. And we don't treat it as a blessing. We get less thankful for God. And this is where the people are. They're not thanking God for the manna anymore. They're getting, met, they're getting fed every morning. God's giving them water every day. And yet, they get to the point where they say, God, is that all? You know, is that all you're doing for us? We, want, you know, we, really, we need some more. And we need to be so careful that we don't get to this point where we say, God, I'm tired of... Whatever it is you're blessing me with, I, you know, and it's normal, give me, give me more. Because when God gives more, you better look out because it might, you might be getting something you really didn't want. Yeah, and, it, and this goes to that statement, be careful what you wish for. And how many times in your life have you gotten what you thought you wanted only to find out that it didn't satisfy and it really wasn't that good? And we see that a lot of times where somebody... A lot of times in the business world, people will work real hard to get promoted to the next level because that's what they really want. And then they'll find out that that next level wasn't all that great. You know, they're not capable of doing the job or it's just more work than they thought it was going to be. Uh, and all of this goes in. In verse 30 in, in, chapters, uh, in Psalm 78, they were not estranged. They were not they were not, it was, means loathsome. They, were, they found that this stuff was loathsome when they got it. And uh, from their lust, but while the meat was yet in their mouth, while they were still chewing on the meat, the wrath of God came upon them. Okay, God got angry. And it was angry because of their gluttony. They, they were filling themselves so full, they were making themselves sick. And this is something that is important. If you've ever been on a long fast or you've been sick for a while and then you, then you try to eat something that you haven't eaten for two or three days and then you try to eat, you know, the, the, the feast sounds really good and you eat, the, eat it and you end up getting sick. This is what they were doing. They were, they were longing for this. They haven't had solid meat. They've had this perfect food, the manna, and all of a sudden they're stuffing their faces with this, with this quail. And God says... His wrath fell upon them because of their bloodness. And he slew, it says, the fattest or the stout ones. The, the, the ones that were in shape were, were slain. And those, and he smote down the chosen men, the young men. God was striking down the strongest of the people because of this bloodness sin that they were committing. 
And we need to be very careful about all of this because God says, I'm blessing you. Don't get familiar with God's blessing. And because we can get to the place where we get so used to his blessing of us that we think that it's normal and forget that it's God's blessing. And when we forget that it's his blessing, we're, gonna be, we're not going to be thankful, we're not gonna, and we're going to be disappointed. We want more. The flesh always wants more, and we've talked about this over and over again. The flesh seeks more. It's never happy. It doesn't have enough food. It doesn't have a nice enough car. It doesn't have a big enough house. It doesn't have enough money. It does, you know, the flesh always wants more. It's not happy with marriage. It has to have more out of the marriage. It's not happy you know, with what God provides. It has to have more. And this is where the people were. They're, they're being very unthankful. They're very, and they're seeking more and saying, God, we want more. And God says, okay, fine. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you so much, you're going to make yourself sick. And then I'm going to come along and I'm going to strike you. I'm going to plague you. And we see this happening. We're going to turn to Psalm 106. Another psalm that covers this, this period of time. Starting at verse 13. They soon forgot his work, works, and they waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them, request, gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Okay, so here we are, they said... They're forgetting God's works. And again, that's what I was talking about. We, find, we get to the place where we just take for granted the blessings of God. You know, God, what are you doing? You know, and it's almost, you know, the human, the human story with people is, okay, you did, that, you did that last year, you did that last week, but what are you, what are you doing for me lately? And what have you done for me lately? And that's the refrain from, from people. You know, you, you, you've done a lot of good things, but what are you doing for me lately? And this is what the people are basically telling God. Okay, God, you've given us all this manna. You've given, you've given us water. You've given us the commandments. You rescued us from Pharaoh. You, you took us out of Egypt. But what are you doing for us today? And you can just hear the, the sarcasm in that statement. God, you've done all these wonderful things, but what are you doing today? We need to be so careful that we don't pick up that attitude. And here they are. They're saying that, you know, and it says they lusted exceedingly. All they could think about was the food that they didn't have. What they didn't have is what they were concentrated on. Not the manna that they had, not the water that they had, not the blessings that they had, but what they didn't have. And if you want to make yourself totally miserable in your spiritual walk, think about what you don't have. As a matter of fact, you're not even interested in your spiritual walk in anything. Start thinking about what you don't have, and you're going to make yourself completely miserable because there is nothing good about that type of thinking. And this is why I say one of my favorite hymns is Count Your Blessings. Name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. If we're looking at what God is doing for us, we're going to take pleasure. We're going to be thankful for but if we're looking at what I don't have, God, I don't have, I don't have the brand new car in my, in, my, in my garage. Matter of fact, I don't even have a garage at my house, God. I need a, I need a garage. I need a car. I need, I need, I need cars in my garage. Yeah. And if all I'm doing is thinking about those things and, and God's going to say, what about what I'm doing for you? And he meets our, he meets our needs. And then, he, then after a while, 
as long as we stay thankful for that, then maybe he'll, he'll even give us some of our desires and wants. God wants us to have things as long as we're going to stay focused on him. But the moment we start forgetting our blessings and we start saying, God, you know, I need or you should be providing this for me, he's going to say, uh-uh, no. And he'll probably take away the blessings that we did have so that we'll realize that it was blessings and not just normal. Because he does so much for us. If we really think about this, how much does God do for us? I've, I've, I've lived the last three years living, letting God provide everything for, for the family, and God's done a good job for it. And we give him thanks for what he's doing, because there is so much that he does. And we watch what God does, and we, and we stay very thankful and it says he, they had this great lust for what they didn't have. And then it says they tempted God. God, we, and what they said in, 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 in Numbers was, God, we want flesh. We want meat. They definitely weren't vegetarians in this group. You know, they wanted meat. And then they started complaining. We remember when we could just go down to the Nile and have fish and we could... We could pull the onions and the leeks and the garlic and the cucumbers and the melons. Man, there was food everywhere. Granted, we were getting beat every day as slaves and made to work hard, but they'd forgotten. And so often we get to this place where we forget the bad things in the past. And we want to go back to Egypt. And as I've said the other day, Egypt represents the sin in the world. And too often we get to the place where we want to go back. We remember only, you know, we don't remember what drove us to God in the first place. All the hardships, all the pain, you know, all the pain, all the, all the aches that we went through, all the sadness that we went through, all the discomfort we went through. And all we remember is the good times, if you want to call them that, you know, things that were good. And we go, God, it was so much better back then. And I've heard this as a pastor and even as a counselor. I've heard people go, it was so much better before I got saved. Then why did you get saved? You know, let's try to remember what it was that you left. <laughs> why did you leave? And we as humans have this big problem a lot of times. We put on rose-colored glasses about the past and say, those were the good old days. Everything was good back then. And no matter how bad it was, we get this tendency to look back and say, oh, it was really good. You know, people look back to the 50s when they were teenagers and all, and all that went on and think, oh, it was so great, it was so good. Well, yeah, but there were wars and drafts and all this other stuff going on that you're forgetting about all the other things that, that took you away from it. And we do the same thing with God. God, I know you delivered me from things, and as long as I remember what he's delivering from me, I'll be happy with where I'm at. But as soon as I forget, it's like, God... Uh, I'm just not happy. You're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. And God is going to say, okay, let's take care of it. And it says he gave them their request. He gave them their petition. He gave them, they gave them the quail. And as we look there, he gave them lots of quail. <laughs> and, it said, and it said it sent leanness. It was a desire, you know. They weren't satisfied. They had all the quail they could want. They had all the meat they could want, and they weren't happy. Leanness. They, they weren't satisfied. How many times are we not satisfied with what God gives us because our focus is 
always on the what we don't have and, we're, and we don't get thankful. And this is one of the things that's very important for us is to stay thankful with God because he gives us everything. Our very breath is a gift from God. The very fact that I'm alive is a gift from God. Because all you'd have to do is say, okay, I don't want you to live anymore, and we'd be dead instantly. Yeah. Okay. All, matter of fact, he could say, I don't even want your atoms to stay together, and he could just let go of the atoms, and, be, and we'd blow to piece, to a million pieces. And, it, and it's so important because God is there saying, I've got you. I've got what you need. I'm going to provide for you. And he's there giving us. He gives us our life. He gives us our breath. He gives us our food. He gives us our shelter. And we tend to think of, well, I work real hard to get this shelter. No, God is the one that could take that money away in a heartbeat. He could take the job away. He could take the money away. He could take the house away. <laughs> yeah. And... If we forget that he is everything, Psalms tells us that we are to remember him because he provides all our benefits. Everything we have is because of God. Everything the world has is because of God, even though they don't recognize it. And we need to stay focused in his blessings. So these birds are coming in, and we've got this flock of birds <laughs> rain, basically raining down on them, flying at, at right at three feet high off the ground, perfect, perfect level to swing a bat at and a staff at or, or knock them out of the air and collect them. You know, I could picture Dad knocking them out of the air and kids running around grabbing all the birds as they're falling down, and, you know, they were wringing the necks. They were setting them up. They... And they says that they collected that the least, they said the least gathered 10 homers. Okay? And that is approximately, like I said, 500 gallons of quail. That's a lot of quail. And like I saw in one thing, that, that would be 12 and a half big trash bags full of quail. Okay? That's the least. That's the least that anybody gathered. Who knows how much some of these bigger families were able to gather. And what they started doing with them, because they really didn't know what to do with all this quail. And what do you do when you've got that much quail? I mean, I don't know how much quail it would take to fill up one trash bag, much less, you know, 12 and a half for the, for the least one. You know, you're probably figuring, you know, 60 birds or something, 100 birds. Yeah. Well, quail aren't that big, but uh, but you you know to to serve the quail, you've got to you've got to pluck, pluck the feathers off, and it says that they put them, they spread them all around, they were drying them out, salting and drying them out, mm -hmm. so that they could preserve them. Again, this is the idea: they're not trusting God. Okay, the, the idea is, well, God provided the quail this one time. We've got to get as much of it as possible because who knows when he might do it again. The quail jerky. The quail jerky, yeah. <laughs> well, everything back then was salted and dried, yes. Yeah. Well. Uh, but, you know, the idea was they weren't trusting God. 
We've got to gather as much as we possibly can because who knows when we'll have meat again. This was the sin that they committed. God provided, and yet they were not trusting God. God could have provided the quail every single day like he did manna. Could have done that for them. But here they are hoarding as much as they possibly can, gathering more than they need. There's, you know, this says the least gathered 10 homers. There's no family in that, in that whole camp that needed 10 homers of quail for a day. Okay, you've got to figure that, you know, 12 and a half gallons worth of quail would have fed, you know, that alone would have fed a huge, huge number of people. Okay, so here is the sin that they've committed. God, we're not happy with our, we're not happy with what you're giving us is the first sin. God provides them with an overabundance of food and they get greedy and hoard it. And they start drying it out so they can last for, for a while. They've salted it. They're drying it out. They're putting salt on it to keep it preserved. Yeah, so they're being very greedy here. They're going, and you can just hear it. Well, we got our meat. Who knows when God's going to get, you know, who knows when we're going to see it again. And they're grabbing as much of it as they possibly can. And you can just picture it. You can picture the people running around the camp, batting these quail out of the, uh, you know, out of the sky at, 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 at three feet off the ground and, and stuffing them into bags and, and, you know, moving around, salting, you know, plucking them, you know, you know, the guy's out there handing it over to his wife and the kids and say, pluck these and get them, get them salted and start drying them out. And he's out there knocking more down and bringing them back. And you could just, you can picture the greed and the, and the avarice that's going on here as people are, you've got all of this stuff going on with the quail. And you can you can picture them just running around grabbing and and you know there's this this riot going on kind of you know with everybody running around grabbing grabbing birds and feather pillows feather yeah, I can picture that too and so they they've got all of these birds after after a full day a night and another day you know about 36 hours of collecting these birds, they finally start consuming. And there's, always, there's already this big avarice of getting more than you need, and then they just start eating. And they stuff themselves and go way beyond stuffing. I mean, because if you remember, we looked in there, it said that they were exceedingly satiated. They just stuffed themselves. They could not, you know, they're ready to roll around out there. You know, they're just so stuffed. If you've ever been that, you know, Thanksgiving is a good time to be thinking of. You know, we have some, a lot of people overeat on Thanksgiving and it's like, oh, I can't do anything. And they kind of they waddle over to a chair and sit down for a while. But this is what we're looking at. They were just stuffing themselves. That, they've already, they've, so we've got the sin of complaining against God. We've got the sin of being gluttonous in their in their in their gathering and then we have the actual gluttony of way overeating they're just so excited to have flesh that they keep eating and eating and eating and it says that while the meat while the flesh was still in their mouth they were taking a bite of it god got angry mm -hmm. okay god's anger came because of their gluttony 
I mean, and we've actually listed three sins at this point. You know, they're not happy with God. They're, they've been, been lustful and overstocking, and now they're eating, to, eating in a gluttonous way. Attacking this stuff. You're picturing this huge feast. And it may have been fully cooked but not drained of blood because they had to drain the blood before they, would eat the, before they could eat the animals because God said, do not eat blood. So all the blood was to be drained and yet they were cooking this stuff probably long before any of this stuff had, had been finished because it hadn't had long to, to drain. And here we are, they're eating. And God is extremely angry with them. It's, not, it's barely in their mouth. They've barely chewed it. You know, they're still chewing their food. And God strikes them with a plague. And we don't know how many people died in this plague because it doesn't tell us but it's enough that they named the place. It says it was a very great plague, a very great judgment, which means it wasn't just a couple hundred people probably. You know, we are talking that it's most likely thousands of people that are going to die when God's anger moves. And this is something we need to be careful of. Staying focused on God, staying thankful on God, not, not demanding things of God, because number one, we might get it and we won't be happy sometimes with what we get. There's the country song that used to be popular quite a while back, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. And it was a little tongue-in-cheek on one side, but yet it was the same. It really was one of those things. You know, How many times has God not answered a prayer and we've been happy you know, when, in the future? We probably weren't happy when it didn't get answered, but we look back and say, Wow, God, I'm glad you didn't answer that prayer. This was one that God answered for them. And it was probably one that they're going to, at least thousands of people anyway, are going to wish that God had not answered. Because they lose their life. They lose their life. They get sick. They get cast down with judgment. All because they were not happy with God. Mm. And this is something we've got to be careful of. God wants us to look at what he's doing, be thankful, stay, stay focused on what he wants, and you know what? In the long run, God usually, if we, stay th if we stay thankful for the little things that he's given us, usually he will give us more as we, as we go along. And he says, okay, you've been thankful, here's more. Jesus told us about that, the, the parable of the talents. He gave one man ten, one man five, another man two. And the one with two went out and hid his talent. <laughs> okay. Why? Because he was afraid of losing it and got one, well done, there's two of us, two. And God said, take it away from him and give it to the one who, who had ten. Because God says, if you're faithful in the little, he can be trusted for a lot. And this is what he's testing us always with. Will we be faithful in the small things? Will we be faithful with the little he gives us? If we stay faithful, he can give us more. And we stay faithful with that, that more, he'll give us more. But what ends up with so many people is when God says, okay, you did okay with that little, I'm gonna give you more, and they get that more, and they forget God. That is why a lot of Christians do not have a lot of money and wealth, because God knows that if they got the wealth, they would, stay, would not stay faithful with him. The very st sad statistic is that People that are poor are more likely to tithe than those who have money. 
The more money they have, the less likely they are to tithe. And that's a sad statistic because it's still 10%, whether it's a little bit of money or a lot of money, it's still 10%. But I understand it by the same token. If all you're making is $1,500 a month, 150 doesn't buy a whole lot. But if you're making $10,000, $1,000 buys a lot of stuff. If you got nothing, I'll split it with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, even when you got, you got nothing, then you realize what you do have when you have nothing. Like, but, God has given you what you got, and be thankful for what you got have. But God is always out there, and I've seen it. I have seen it many, many times over the years where somebody was very faithful to God. They, they tied their money. They served God with all their heart. God started blessing them. They started making more money. And what ends up happening is they start buying some toys, you know, they buy the motorcycle, the ATV, the RV, the, the camper. And then the next thing you know, you don't see them in church because they got all the toys, they've got to use them. Okay? And when are they going to use them? Well, they're working Monday through Friday, so they've got to go out and use them on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and we see them just drift away from God. God gave them blessings and then they drift away. And that's not everybody, obviously, but it happens to so many people. They get the blessings of God and they, dr and they sh drift away from God. The people of Israel here are being blessed every day, being fed, being watered, and all they want to do is complain, and then they get what it is that they want, and they get gluttonous and, and, and very lustful for it, and God sends this plague on them and kills so many of them that they named the place Kibroth Hattaavah, and that means Graves of Lust. So they named the place, and it's called Graves of Lust. Graves <laughs> yeah. of lust. We, we were so lusting here for the meat, and now we're, and many are dead because of it. And we see this happen where people get so desirous for something that they don't have, and they get this lust for it, and they go and they get their lust fulfilled, but they leave God to do it. That's the way the flesh is. It always wants more. It's never happy. It's never satisfied. And if we follow our lust, we will be drawn away from God. It happens over and over again. And if you walk with God long enough and you watch people, you're going to see. If you don't see yourself do it, you'll see others do it. And it's so easy to drift off. It is so easy to fall into your lust and drift away from God. And I've seen myself when it happened to me that it was a surprise to me that it happened and I drifted away from God and I've seen others drift away from God. It is so easy to do if we don't stay focused on God. We don't stay focused on His Word. We don't stay focused on the, the teachings that we have. We don't spend time with other Christians. We don't spend time with His people. And I've said it over and over, and I, and I hear it all the time. You go talk to somebody. Well, I don't believe in organized religion. Well, what do you believe in? Disorganized religion? I don't believe in church. Well, I'm sorry that you don't believe in church, but, that's, but I can tell you, yes, you can go worship God on the mountain. Yes, you can go worship God on the river. Yes, you can worship God in your home. The only problem is, over a period of time, you won't be worshiping God. You may start worshiping God, but you won't over a period of time. If you leave God's word, you leave the teaching, you leave his people, you mm -hmm. will, with about a 99.9% .9 chance, turn away from God. 
because you need his, the fellowship of the body of Christ to stay strong. And I can tell you many, many times over the years I've seen it. Somebody pulls away from church. They're really strong. They're on fire for God. They're in his word. They love God. And a year, year and a half later, you go by and see him. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, I'm, I don't read the Bible anymore. I don't pray. Uh, and, but I can worship God in my house. Yeah, you're right. You can, but you're not. And this is what happens to us. We need the fellowship of God's people. We need to be tied in with God's people and God, because they'll help hold you accountable. They'll help move you toward God. When you're down, you know, the worst thing to do is, uh, and they tell you, you should never hike alone or camp alone because if you get hurt, there's nobody to help. And at the very least, somebody needs to know where you're at. But it's so important for us to be able to get to this place where we need and understand we need the body of Christ to be successful. No matter how strong we might think we are, Satan is stronger. And he will set the traps and he will trip us up. If we think we can go it on our own, we will lose. We will lose the fellowship. We will lose our closeness with God. Possibly, possibly even life, as it was in this case, where they, they wanted something so bad that they lost, many of them lost their lives. And as, and as we read in, in Psalm 78, some of the strongest were the ones that lost their lives. I mean, this was a... God didn't go after the weak and the elderly. He says, okay, I'm going to show you that this is me doing this judgment. I'm going after the strong ones. You know, the ones that you, you would expect the older and, and the old, really old and the really young to be struck down. But he's going to go, no, I'm going after the young men. I'm going after the, the fit ones. I'm going to show you that this is me judging. And we want to be careful to, and serve God, praise God, stay thankful. Be able to say, thank you, God, for what you've done. When we look at God, he is so gracious to us. We don't deserve the fact that Jesus was born as a baby, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, and died for us. That's, that is such grace. We've got to just keep that in mind. He came to this world to die for us when we were his enemies. <laughs> and he says, I'm going to come and I'm going to take all that sin upon myself and die. I'm going to pay for the sin that they can't pay for. If he gave us no other blessing other than salvation, it's more than we deserve. And yet, he holds his hands out saying, here's all the other stuff I'm going to hand you. You're going to have peace that passes understanding. You're going to have joy. You're going to have your necessary needs provided for. Now, unfortunately, sometimes we think our needs are bigger than they really are. Especially here in America, you know, in America, in America they think, we, we tend to think that if we don't have two cars in the, out front of the house and a TV in every room and some cable and a phone and electricity and gas and electric and water, and then we're not, we're not having our needs met. In most of the world, if you've got a roof over your head, you're happy. And I want you to be blessed and I want to give you your needs. And then, like I say, as long as we stay focused on him, he'll give us more than our needs. He'll give us more than our needs if we stay focused on him and stay. And he might even make us 
very wealthy and rich if we were to really stay focused on him and honor him and not use it upon ourselves. And that doesn't mean we don't get to use any of our money on ourselves, but God says, how are we using it? He says the minimum that we're to give him is a tithe. 10% of what we have belongs to him. That's his. That's, that's not even ours to begin with. And the blessings start when we go beyond the tithe and we start giving offerings to God and saying, God, I just want to give you more. The tithe, he says, is his. The offerings are what we decide to give him out of what he allows us to, to go. And here's all these people that are dying. And then it says, and the people journeyed from Kilrothath Ta'avah to Hazraath and abode there at Hazraath. So they're going to move. They're moving from this site of death and moving on. Lord, we just thank for this evening. Lord, help us always to stay mindful of what you've given us. You've given us so much. You've given us salvation. You give us our needs. And we just thank you and ask you to be with us as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen.